Now, on this Invest Talk podcast, Justin Klein listens to your questions. Stephen Justin, Curtis from Des Moines, Iowa. Appreciate everything you guys do. Listen to it every day. I'm currently invested in my company's 401k and have some additional funds. I want to start investing individually. And provides unbiased answers. This is always a tricky question. Steve would say, invest if you just have a small dollar amount, you're just getting started uh, with a portfolio, then you want broad instant diversification, which a fund will get you, like a broad index fund or a mutual fund. It's going to be far more instructive to own an individual name. Investor, over 35 million downloads and counting. Your participation makes it unique. 888-99-CHART. This podcast is produced by KPP Financial. Steve Peasley, President. KPP Financial. Independent thinking, shared success. And now today's podcast. Good afternoon, fellow investors, and welcome to Invest Talk. This is our October 6, 2021 edition of Invest Talk. Appreciate you all tuning in this hour. And I'm going to do my very best to help you navigate through these interesting times. And we're seeing a market rotation here. Uh, we saw a little bounce today. Uh, but we enter the final quarter of the year with a lot going on. Uh, and you're probably seeing that in your portfolios. And the companies that you're looking at, maybe on your watch list. And you're trying to figure out, should you pull the trigger on a few names on the buy or sell side, how you want to look at your portfolio as a whole. What weighting should you have to various sectors? What should I do if inflation continues to remain robust? And these are all valid questions. And if you're not asking these questions, then you're probably very hands-off probably indexing, maybe you already have another advisor that you trust, whatever it is. But if you're having a hand in your portfolio construction and your strategy, these are questions you have to ask yourself. And you should be asking yourself on a daily and weekly basis, and how has new data that's come in impacted your overall portfolio? Now, on this podcast, I'm going to operate with my mission statement, which is always independent thinking and shared success. So no matter what I speak about today, when your calls come in, your questions come in uh, about the market as a whole, a strategy, a stock, I am here to present it all without bias. Just giving the facts as I see them in front of me and using my 20 plus years of investment experience. Now, I'm Justin Klein, and of course, I encourage you to reach out with your finance or investment questions. Right now, during our live stream program, or if you're listening after hours, no big deal. You can leave your message on the Invest Talk Voice Bank. Even um, either way, that number never changes. Eight 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 ninety nine chart. So let's grab our first listener question now. Hey guys, this is Adam from Texas again. I'm calling about ticker symbol UNM Uniform November Mike. It's been on my radar recently. And I was just wondering if you all could let me know what a good buy price would be for this. But I'd like to kind of work up to a full position. Thanks. Bye. All right. This is UNM 
This is Unum Group. This is out of Tennessee, and they are a provider of group and individual income protection insurance here in the U.S. as well as the U.K. It's the largest domestic disability insurer and with the majority of premiums generated from employer plans. So it's a disability insurer, and it has long-term care products as well as life insurance, uh, and it, it's pretty large, $5.5 billion market cap, and we actually own this for clients. It's reversed off of major support around 2350 Now we're at 2665 crossed today for the second time in a row above the 100-day moving average. So it's right now sandwiched between the 50 and the 100. Sorry, it crossed back above the – wait, let me look at these. Okay, yeah, it's back above the 50-day moving average but below the 200 and the 100. So you can kind of see this is a, a, a weird uh, pattern here. Usually the 50 and the 20 are above as opposed to here it's below the, the, the 200 and the 100. So there's still a little overhead resistance here around 2750, but our value is definitely higher, around $35 per share. And we own it for clients, like I said, yields about 4.5%. And yeah, their business was hit by the pandemic, but it is turning around. Earnings next year are supposed to be $5.38. And that's just below what they earned in 2019 of $5.44. So they had a little bit of dip over the past couple of years in their business, but we see that turning around as well as other analysts. And so we like this name. Like I said, valued around $35. Right now it's at 26 and change at the close today. Now my focus point today is based on the story behind this headline. U.S. and Chinese regulators are in a bind over a three-letter acronym, VIE. And you might remember this from the Enron days. It's called a variable interest uh, entity. And... It seems that this arcane accounting term is now a focal point of both U.S. and Beijing regulators and Chinese-listed companies. I don't know if you know this, but you know, if, you own a, if you own shares on a U.S.-listed exchange of a Chinese company, you don't really technically have ownership. That's really what shares are supposed to be. They're supposed to be ownership in a business. It's kind of murky. So we're going to look at that story. Also, coal supplies are dwindling and prices are going through the roof. And this is an extreme example of what happens when ESG meets energy demands. And we're going to look at that story. And then builders are looking at alternative materials to build homes because those are in short supply as well. And then lastly, Beijing regulators are also cracking down on algorithms of large tech companies. And may that be a prelude to what we see here in some way, shape, or form with Facebook and the like. So that's what's on my mind. But ultimately, I want to know what is on your mind. 888 chart 888 is how you get through and ask your question on today's show. Let's look at the market today. S&P was up about 18 points, modest up day after, uh, after a, a decent update yesterday. Did we close? Let me see here. Let me look at the charts. So we closed above Monday's high. We didn't clo clo close above yesterday's high. 
Uh, and we did not close above Thursday's high, which was also a big sell-off day. So we remain kind of in this choppy trading range, and that's kind of what I expect for a little while as we deal with uh, the jobs number that comes out Friday, the debt ceiling fight, the stimulus fight, uh, the changing expectations of Fed tapering. All of those things are going to impact how markets evolve here in the final quarter of the year. Uh, and I still remain relatively neutral with a little bit of a bias to the downside, but not not dramatically. I do think we're going to stay in a range on the S&P. Today we closed around 4363. I think for the balance of the year, we're going to be somewhere in the neighborhood between 4240 and about 4475. So that's about a 6%, 6.5% range uh, there. So expect volatility and expect a lot of indecision in the market because there's a lot of cross currents and a lot of economic news that um, isn't giving a lot of conviction either way. Some inflation figures, especially in the energy patch, are pushing higher. Others such as steel and building commodities, those are not doing so well on the back of what's happening in China. So you have cross-currents in that, in, in that market, and then you have cross-currents in the underlying economy with stimulus expectations as well as roll-off of mortgage and rent moratorium, uh, unemployment benefits, uh, and the, delir- the, the, the effects of inflation on the broader economy because higher input costs often slow economic activity. Uh, and that should be expected as well. So a lot of crosswinds here in the fourth quarter. And so I would expect a choppy market. Now we're heading into a quick break. Steve Peasley and I always are always happy to tackle your finance and investment questions, whether they come via emails, iTunes reviews, voicemail, or live calls. And with that in mind, I'm here now. I'm ready to take your questions on our anytime listener line. This is Invest Talk, 888 chart. No two investors have an identical portfolio. So each investor will have different questions. I guess I'm wondering how I should kind of diversify. If the questions specific to your portfolio aren't being asked, your situation is not addressed. And I wanted your thoughts on the cannabis market. Steve Peasley and Justin Klein take Invest Talk listener questions each weekday during the program live stream in the 4 to 5 p.m. hour Pacific time. The Invest Talk Voice Bank never closes, so your questions are always welcome. As a newer investor, my question concerns positions. You have the right to remain silent, but why would you when anything you ask will be used to help you create your financial freedom? I think it'll probably go higher. And so I would keep a tight stop on it. So don't forget to call Invest Talk 888 99Chart. InvestTalk is here to help. And when you download the free InvestTalk podcasts, don't forget to rate and review. The phone lines are open, 888-99-CHART. Hi, Steve or Justin. This is Brandon in D.C. again. This time I'm asking your thoughts on FBGRX, 
I believe it's Fidelity's blue chip fund. Um, I'll look forward to hearing about it on the program. Thank you. All right, looking at Fid Fidelity blue chip growth. And the first thing I look at uh, when I'm pulling this up on Morningstar, five star uh, fund. So based on past performance, it's good. But it is a large cap growth name. So as I've said, for the better part of a, a year plus now, is that growth in an environment where hard assets, real assets, real cash flowing businesses are more valued than high growth names trading at high multiples uh, based on a story. Um, you know, money is continues to flow into the value side of the market and away from the growth side. Now, there are some great companies in here, Apple, Microsoft, um, Salesforce, uh, but many are very overvalued. PayPal, for example, uh, is the 10th largest holding within this fund. Uh, Tesla, same thing, uh, but the 8th largest holding. And this is just not where I would be leaning my efforts, to be honest with you. Um, this is not where I'd want to be upping my allocation. Uh, it can be a part of a broader long-term allocation. But this is not the great time, greatest time to enter because of the high sky valuations for many of these these names. Uh, it does have an expense ratio of 0.79%, which is pretty high, I think, for a mutual fund where it's all you're getting is the fund. You're not getting any other advice. Um, so I'm just not a, a huge fan of this. It's a, it's a good fund but not in the area that I would be focusing uh, my investment of new money. Let's go to Will in San Diego looking at ETD, which is Ethan Allen Interiors. Do you own it or looking to buy it? No, no, no. It's uh, EPD. The, the oh, EPD. Yes. Talking about Enterprise Product Partners? Yes. And Got I'm it. I'm wondering okay. if I should keep this thing. It hasn't done much for me over the years. So I was wondering what's your take on it. Okay. Well, first, this is a master loan of partnership. So you will be getting a K-1. So that's uh, the biggest drawback for me in this name. But it is right. in the natural gas market. Now, it transports and processes natural gas, natural gas liquids, crude oil, refined, refined products, and petrochemicals. It's one of the largest midstream companies in the world with operations servicing most producing regions in the lower 48 states. It's dominant in the NGL market and is one of the few MLPs that provide midstream services across the full hydrocarbon value chain. Now, one thing I like about this is that it is focused in the NGL, so net, uh, liquid natural gas. And the reason I like that is because if you've seen prices of natural gas in Europe, they right. are absolutely yeah. going parabolic. And what that means is, hey, if we can – and you're talking about prices that are three to four times what you see here in the States for, um, for natural gas. So what that means is the exporting of natural gas over to Europe, uh, liquid natural gas, is just exploding and it's very popular or sorry, very profitable. And I'm actually surprised this is not going higher. And so I worry a bit about the relative strength, but I like the value here. 
I like the, uh, the the area that it's in. Um, so as long as you're okay with the K1, which sounds like you've owned it for a while, uh, then I would probably hold it because I do think it's undervalued. It's in the right space. Technicals are improving. It probably should be better. And that worries me just a bit. But I, I love the fundamentals here. And I would be a holder of EPD. Thanks for the call. This is Invest Talk. We thank you for downloading our podcast. The phone lines are open. Yes, we have several phone lines. So give me a call at 888-99-CHART. No two portfolios are alike, and every investor has a unique set of circumstances. So don't forget to call InvestTalk, 888-99-CHART. Now, my focus point today is based on the story behind the headline, U.S. and Chinese regulators are in a bind over a three-letter acronym, and that is VIE, Variable Interest Entity. And this is buried in the fine print of the stock offering prospectuses uh, and annual reports of many U.S. listed Chinese companies. And this is referencing these variable interest entities that are, in essence, companies that are controlled via a series of contracts to affect ownership in their assets. So companies like Alibaba, Didi Global, and virtually every internet company from China that has gone public on American exchanges have used this VIE structure to circumvent Chinese regulations on foreign investment in domestic businesses. So global investors that have bought these shares are really buying uh, entities that are housed in Cayman Islands and other offshore jurisdictions. And in July, the SEC chairman, Gary Gensler, said, quote, these shell companies raise capital on U.S. exchanges, but the contracts don't actually confer ownership of the operating company to American investors. Let me repeat that. Quote, this is from Gary Gensler, the SEC chairman. Quote, these shell companies raise capital on U.S. exchanges, but the contracts don't actually confer ownership of the operating company to American investors. And most investors don't understand this. They just see the letters on the screen. And this is difficult for Chinese regulators as well. Because they want these companies to have access to foreign capital. But they have these laws on the books. And a question is, are they operated by the rule of law? And they're, when they're allowing these kind of gimmicky structures to circumvent their, their laws. And that's a big issue here. So both sides have problems with this whole setup. So the value of the shares held by global investors essentially rests upon these contractual agreements in which the investors have no say on how these contractual agreements change, how they're regulated, and don't really have a vote in what's happening with the business. And 80% of all U.S.-listed Chinese companies operate VIEs that are material to their operations. And what's kind of ironic here is that 
two decades ago, there was a big issue, a big blow up by the name of Enron because they used variable interest entities to hide large debts and keep them off their balance sheet. And then you had the Dodd-Frank rules and the accounting rules changed, saying that these variable in interest entities had to be consolidated onto the company's financial statements. And so that's how, when you're looking at Alibaba and all of these Chinese companies, and you're looking at the financial statements, you are seeing these numbers because they're being consolidated from the variable interest entity. So this wouldn't work 25 years ago because they weren't consolidated before. So this has paved the way for that. And so just a heads up, on top of all the regulatory issues, on top of all the economic issues in China, you also, if you go and invest in the ticker symbols, sorry, you don't really have ownership. You don't have a vote of what happens with the business like you do with domestic companies. So I hope that shed a little light on more iffiness around these listings of Chinese companies. Now, you probably heard us mention that we have InvestTalk listeners across America and around the world, and we will demonstrate that now. This one came in earlier from the United Kingdom. Hello, Stephen Justin. It's Ross from the United Kingdom calling. And the stock that I'm calling about is Sibania Stillwater, which is SBSW is the ticker. So SBSW. Basically, it's fallen down from $20 six months ago to around about $12. And I'm just wondering if you think it's going to continue falling or it's reached its base yet. It seems very good value, and it seems to have a healthy dividend as well. It's a mining company. Thanks a lot. Enjoy your show. Thank you. Bye. All right. Looking at SBSW, this is Sibanye Stillwater Limited. And... This has come down with a, a lot of the other gold names, but starting to show a little life here. Up only three cents today, but it's a South African-focused mining company, and they have operations mainly in gold, uh, but others uh, as, as well, other um, types of uh, minerals, but mainly it's a gold company. Uh, and the fundamentals still remain relatively strong, supposed to make uh, almost $4.00. Uh, over $4 this year, $3.40 next year, $12 stock. Uh, I still think this is a great value. I would be buying this. In fact, I actually own this in in my 401k. So I actually like this name, and I think it's a great value here. On the next Invest Talk, this story, how hackers drain the cryptocurrency accounts of thousands of Coinbase users. Apparently, the bad guys started with a password phishing scheme and next exploited a flaw in Coinbase's security then emptied accounts. I'll walk through that story tomorrow, but for now, I'm Justin Klein. I'm ready to take your questions live at 888-99-CHART. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It is official. No one's got a ride like this. 
There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs. eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. At this point, I think almost everyone has heard how generative AI promises to bring us to the next industrial revolution. AI is already shaping society with an impact on daily life that echoes the transformative significance of electricity or the Internet. As we take steps to embrace the potential of generative AI, we need to remain vigilant with regard to its exploitability. This is where HackerOne comes in. HackerOne's AI Red Team addresses the novel challenges of AI safety and security for businesses that are launching new AI deployments. The HackerOne approach involves targeted offensive testing by harnessing the collective skills of ethical hackers who are proficient in AI and prompt hacking. In short, AI red teaming is the practice of stress testing AI models and deployments to make sure they can't be tricked into providing information beyond their intended use, and that security flaws can't be exploited to access confidential data or systems. HackerOne seamlessly integrates with your existing tools to enhance communication and collaboration across development, security, and IT teams. So, Stay ahead of the game in the battle against cyber threats with HackerOne's attack resistance platform. Learn more at HackerOne.com. That's H-A-C-K-E-R-O-N-E.com. HackerOne.com. Each day, InvestTalk listeners submit their finance and investment questions via phone or email. Would you like your question to be put near the top of the list? Just take a minute or two to leave a review and rating for Invest Talk at iTunes. And be sure to include a brief question with your iTunes review comments. And of course, your calls are always welcome 24 7. Don't forget to call Invest Talk, 888 99 Chart. Hi, Stephen Justin Curtis from Des Moines, Iowa. Appreciate everything you guys do. Listen to it every day. That was in regard to kind of a new investor or at least a portion of my investments doing that independently. I'm currently invested in my company's 401k and have some additional funds. I want to start investing individually. Curious as to if the approach is the same starting out when you have very little funds available to invest. Should that be spread apart over several different funds or just kind of pick one stock can go from there and as as more and more money is added to individual investments that it can be invested into multiple funds at that time thanks again and looking forward to response this is always a tricky question steve would say invest if you just have a small dollar amount you're just getting started uh, with a portfolio then you want broad instant diversification, which a fund will get you, like a broad index fund or a mutual fund, and that will that will give you instant diversification. That's certainly true. 
And if you plan to stick with funds over the long term, that might be the way to go. But if you want to learn about companies, about industries, about sectors, it's going to be far more instructive to own an individual name. And a few years ago, when it was, you know, seven, nine, ten dollars per trade, and maybe you only had a few hundred dollars, each trade on an individual name was kind of expensive as a percentage of your overall investment dollar. Now that's no longer the case. Trading's free, whether you're on TD Meritrade, our broker, or Schwab, or uh, Fidelity, or hopefully not Robinhood, but maybe Robinhood. And so it depends on what avenue you want to go down. You're going to learn a ton more by buying businesses you know, you understand, maybe you use, think maybe you love your iPhone, you buy Apple, etc. Uh, and then as you save more and you invest over time, you add different positions, hopefully across different sectors, and you start to build a broad diversified portfolio. You don't want to go more than maybe 45, 40, 45 names, uh, call it 50, just to round it out. Uh, beyond that, uh, you, you probably want broad diversification, broader diversification across different sectors. And, but once again, if you just want to use funds, maybe you start off with that and you start to build different um, exposures to uh, a foreign fund and a growth fund or a value fund, a small cap, a large cap. Maybe you want bond exposure, maybe a corporate bond fund, maybe a, a, a convertible bond fund. Etc. So there's different avenues to take, and it all depends on your end goal. Kind of like with life. 888-99 chart, 888-992-4278. That's how you get through and ask your question. We have about 20 minutes left in the show. So I urge you to call in now. Let's touch on the coal shortage that is pushing prices to record highs. And this is a challenge for the global economy to wean itself off of its highest polluting energy source. And this shortage is expected to last at least through the winter. And Australia's Newcastle Thermal Core, which is coal, which is a benchmark, global benchmark, is trading at $202 per metric ton. That's three times higher than at the end of 2019, pre-pandemic. Globally, coal produces 40% of the world's electricity. Four, zero. Not 14, four, zero. And that's 5% below pre-pandemic levels. So it has actually dropped. And you're wondering why there is record prices for other energy inputs like natural gas. Because... Energy has to be produced somewhere. If it's not going to be a ramp up in nuclear, only really China's pushing there, it's going to have to come from some other source. Now, green energy is only 2.5% of global energy production today, 2.5% total. 
And that's not all over the past couple of years. That's been going on for a couple of decades to grow to 2.5%. So it's clear that ESG mandates and the goal for climate change and reducing carbon emissions is maybe a noble goal. It's up to you whether whether uh, that is noble or not. I'm not here to be that judge. But what's clear is that if that is a global goal, there needs to be something to replace things like coal, things like natural gas that are the main sources of our electricity in the world. And countries all over the world are scrambling for supply. China, oddly enough, they actually halted imports of Australian coal, the largest coal producer in the world. Why? Because they called out China and basically said COVID came from a lab, which I've kind of been telling you, and that's pretty much uh, uh, what we what – we, the evidence is showing now. I know I've been saying it for over a year, but that's what the evidence is showing. But they're still mad that China called them out on it, and they stopped importing the coal. Well, that didn't really – wasn't really a problem for them because – Japan is up their coal imports from Australia by 65%. Korea, South Korea has up their coal imports from Australia by 56% in the first half of this year. And this is shouldn't be a shock to anybody. And even though Australian exports are going up, they're only going up about 2.5% above last year's levels. Demand for coal is going to double that pace. This year. And China started to import coal from all over the world. In fact, they're importing four times as much coal from here, the U.S., over the last year to replace their Australian coal. So a very interesting story shows geopolitical issues with China as well as ESG and then just natural energy crisis that we're kind of stumbling towards. And I don't think it's going to reverse because there's not really a plan. It's let's hope to move to green, but not really a real plan to do it in the short term. And so if you have this long-term goal and not a short-term plan, then you're going to stumble into problems in the near term. And I see that over the next months and years. Now let's keep things moving and pivot back to the Best Talk Voice Bank for a question that came in earlier from 888.99 chart. Hi, Stephen, Justin. I'm calling about four tinets, which is F for Florida, T for Tennessee, N for North Dakota, T for Tennessee, FTNT. It's currently at $298, and I'm wondering what the real value of that stock is, what the true value is, maybe around about $200. It looks like it's been falling for the last month, 8% down in the last month, and the PE seems very high but it's got strong growth and it seems like a good company in the cybersecurity industry. So let me know what you think. I'm prepared to wait for a long time to buy this stock and buy it at the right price. Okay, thanks for all you do. Bye. All right, this is Fortinet, and this is in our top three of our favorite security, network security companies uh, in the world. They have a great technology, great uh, products, Problem is, like you said, what is the real value value of this uh, this business? Right now, it's trading at three hundred dollars a share, about a fifty billion dollar market cap, 
And trailing 12 months, they have done about $1.1 billion in free cash flow, about $1.25 billion in operating cash flow. Don't pay a dividend, which is not shocking, but they are buying back shares. I like that. And the return on equity is now 65% trailing 12 months, which is very, very strong. Uh, so we really like the business. The problem is our fair value is around $200 a share. So about 33% lower than it is today. So it's on our watch list. Uh, and you're right, it has come down a bit, uh, but not too dramatically. It's only 6.3% off its 52-week high. Uh, but if you do continue to see interest rates go up, this is the type of name whose multiples are going to start to contract. You look at enterprise value to revenues about 16 times, enterprise value to EBITDA 73 times. Those are very expensive numbers. I, I, we want enterprise value to revenue sub 10, and we want enterprise value to EBITDA, even though this is still expensive, definitely sub 40 before you start thinking about it. So I like that this is on your watch list, but I would be patient on finding a better entry point. Thanks for the call. 8899 chart, 8899242278. Give me a call. I'm here to answer your questions. We have about 10 minutes left in the show. And we've started the fourth quarter. And volatility is suddenly becoming trending. Over the past year, we've seen bouts of volatility, little spikes up on the VIX, but it was always pushed quickly back down into the mid-teens on the VIX. But we're starting to see that steadily trade above 20. For most of the trading days over the past, call it three weeks, the VIX has been above 20. And when that happens, that starts to no longer be just a quick bump and then a retrenchment, it's starting to become trending. And that's why I do think we're heading into a choppier period of the market. But choppier periods also bring more opportunity. And so you have to be ready. And the question is, is your strategy prepared? Don't look at what happened in the last year, year and a half since the March lows. We're starting to enter a different period. Can you handle that? Do you have the stomach for more volatility? Do you have the stomach to buy when things look really bad? That's the question you have to ask yourself. And that's what we help clients deal with on a daily basis at our company, KP Financial where we provide unbiased guidance and we practice parallel investing. We invest right alongside our clients. So I encourage you to reach out for a free portfolio review assessment via telephone or go to meetings to send us a message through investtalk.com or call our KPP financial office in Irvine, California, 800-557-5461. Speak for just a few minutes, 10 minutes or so, assess your needs, assess your situation and see how we can make a difference for you. We'd love to help you in any way. No obligation, just a, just a conversation. This is Invest Talk. Steve and I thank you for downloading our podcast and telling your friends about us as well. So we'll play another caller question in about 30 seconds.
Hang on. The Invest Talk Voice Bank never closes. I have a question for you about Amazon. So your questions keep coming. Question about PE ratios. And that's okay because Steve Peasley and Justin Klein specialize in unbiased guidance. If I'm looking at a dividend company, I'm looking for consistency of earnings and dividends. Your standard daily chart typically goes back one year. Steve and Justin are fearless. So don't forget to call Invest Talk. 888-99-CHART. Hello. Let's see. I've heard you guys mention in the transition to electric vehicles that they're, you know, where's the power going to come from? The electricity that is specifically. And uh, I think it makes a lot of sense. You know, right now we're going straight from fuel into the vehicles, but when we do need to charge electric vehicles and, and more demand, do you think that there will be an increase in share price of companies like Siemens Energy, who makes turbines for power production? Specifically, if you could look at S-M-N-E-Y, which is Siemens Energy. And if you think that that's a good play, um, I'd love to know any thoughts about timing. And if you think that's a good company or if there are others in the sector that you prefer, like GE or even the parent company of Siemens. Thank you very much. All right, looking at S-M-N-E-Y, Siemens Energy AG. This is a, a, G, a German company. It looks like it spun off from Siemens back in 2020, near the end of uh, last year. And this is uh, certainly a good business, trailing 12 months, about $721 million in, or euros, excuse me, in free cash flow. Uh, and currently, its market cap is about $17 billion. So that ratio is is not too bad, about a Four or five percent free cash flow yield, which is is pretty good, especially for a business that uh, remains. Let's see, let's see if I can pull it up on my other systems. That doesn't pull up on that one. So this is an ADR, uh, and sometimes those uh, the data can be a little bit murky, but still trailing twelve months. You're talking about twenty eight billion euros in revenue, and so it's not out of whack from like an enterprise value to revenue standpoint. Point five percent. Uh, what they do is they uh, it's an engineering technology company develops and provides solutions for industrial applications, power generation, transmission, wind energy technologies. Uh, and I, I like this automation, digital solutions for oil and marine industries. I like this business. The problem is the chart continues in a downward trend. And that's what worries me the most is why is the chart so bad? when the key stats remain relatively robust. Um, So I like the name. I would just need the chart to firm up for me to get excited. Until then, I'm going to hold off. This is Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein. We have one goal here each and every weekday to help you achieve your own version of financial freedom. And our work continues after this final break. So get your questions in now at 888-99-CHART. The markets react to uncertainty. Are you prepared? Is your portfolio balanced? Is it optimized? Your financial future depends on the answers to those questions. Justin Klein is here now and ready to talk with you. Call InvestTalk, 888-99-CHART. Hello, Steve. This is John from Salt Lake. I just have a question on MPLX. It's a pipeline company that transfers natural gas that pays a really high dividend. I just was wondering if you felt that the dividend would be safe 
the debt is kind of high, kind of a concern. I have a little bit. I was wondering if I should add more to it. If you'd let me know, I look forward to your answer on the podcast. Thanks. Are looking at MPLX Limited Partnership, and it does have a nice dividend yield. Currently, yields about nine and a half percent. And let me take a look at their business. It's a partnership that owns both pipelines and gathering and processing assets in the Appalachian region mainly. And it assets drop down from Marathon Petroleum, its sponsor, and gathering and processing assets from Mark West, which it acquired in 2015. So uh, I don't see that this is focused solely on um, solely on the uh, natural gas, but it certainly has some exposure there. Trailing 12 months, about $4 billion in free cash flow. And it's free, and it's a uh, mark caps about thirty billion. So I like that yield overall. It's been issuing a lot of shares though, uh, and diluting shareholders over the the long period of time, which I don't like. That um, the chart does look relatively strong, but there are others in the space that frankly look stronger. Uh, and so that's my biggest worry here is that there are other pipeline gathering. Uh, companies that are, are doing better, both uh, technically as well as uh, in their business. And I think you're falling too much in love with that yield, 9.4%. And yes, they do have some debt, but the debt's not an issue, to be honest with you. The, a lot of these companies, because they're, they, they have large fixed investments, they have a lot of debt in their balance sheet. It's not a shock, not uncommon. Um, so, but the main thing is don't fall in love with that dividend. First off, uh, the dividend can change. And second off, it's taxed at your ordinary income tax rate. Understand that this is a limited partnership and you can invest in something. If you're in a relatively high tax bracket, if you're getting 6% and it's qualified dividends, it's not a limited partnership. That's the equivalent of getting nine and a half percent. Okay. So you can find others within the space, larger companies, better balance sheet, better financial metrics, uh, better assets probably with a lower yield, but you can get qualified dividends. So I'm going to say I would be looking to trade out of this and into some of the other pipeline companies within the space that are doing better. So I hope that helped hope to give you a little perspective and make sure don't fall in love with dividends. Too many people do that. They just chase that, oh, that big number, in this case, 9.5%. They think that's amazing and that's well and good. Uh, but when they're having to issue shares and dilute you uh, to do it, when they're not performing as well as others within the space, I would just simply move on. Thanks for the call. 8899 chart, 889 Let's close up with... Uh, a quick story about home builders, and they're actually looking for alternative inputs. And there's a shortage of key construction materials for these builders, as well as a shortage of labor. For example, Straub Construction has switched to different insulation material after they couldn't get some petroleum-derived roof insulation boards, and that's adding about $20,000 to cost for two apartment building projects, which doesn't sound, you know, might not be a ton. Uh, but the main thing is 
just getting the boards at all. Waiting for the board, the, the previous types of boards would have added six to nine months to the 14-month project. And if you understand anything about these projects, they're typically financed. And six to nine months means more months means, means six to nine months more of interest they're paying on the money they borrow to get through these development projects. And so that's another reason why you're seeing the, the cost of these homes go up, new homes, is the input costs are higher. It's harder to find workers, so uh, they're slower to get things done. And I think that's going to persist for uh, some time. And a lot of this has to do with labor. And I never hear, I hear, always hear politicians, powers that be, try to create more demand. But they don't do anything to solve, help solve the problem of labor. And that's a big issue that we're seeing in the marketplace today. I'm Justin Klein, and this completes another Invest Talk program. Steve Peasley and I thank you for listening, and we encourage you to tell your friends and family about our free podcast downloads. Now over 35 million downloads. Get yours anytime at iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play, and be sure to rate and review. And if you do, and you leave a brief question with your rating, we'll prioritize your answer. Independent thinking, shared success. This is Invest Talk. Good night. Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them specifically. Nothing said shall be taken to be investment advice, or shall statements on this program be considered an offer to buy or sell securities. Such advice is rendered solely on an individual basis, and at times will require that the investor review a prospectus before investing. InvestTalk is a copyrighted program of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial, a registered investment advisor, which retains all rights. <laughs>